Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Tom Wells here. Today is Monday, July the 2nd, 2018, 8 a.m. Eastern Time. Your first daily dose of happy for the day and for the week, for that matter, as we uh, enter the uh, dog days of summer here in the Northeast because we are currently in a hot and humid pattern and uh, not particularly pleasant, particularly for those who don't have air conditioning. And there are people who don't have air conditioning, so my heart goes out to them. But uh, I am hopeful this is going to change. I hope it's going to get back to that nice, balmy-type weather we've been experiencing all year. So that's where I'm aiming at weather-wise. And uh, I had a good weekend. I hope you had a good one, too. Tom, how are things out in Colorado? Well, it's been pretty hot. We did have a nice, cool day yesterday. Went into the... uh... Gosh, I think it into the seventies even, but Ooh. we, um, you know, we're not having that going forward. We're having a lot of ninety, day, ninety and above days, mm. but no humidity, you know, which is completely different experience. Oh yes, yeah. When everything is dry, then the heat is sort of like that, like a desert instead of like a sauna. Well, I remember when I was a kid, we did a number of uh, cross country trips and. On the the biggest one we had, where we truly went cross country and went north to south, east to west, we went through Arizona, which of course is desert country. And I remember the temperatures on one particular day were up around 115 degrees, which is you know scaldingly hot. Mm-hmm. But it's dry, and so even though the heat was oppressive, if you were in the shade, it wasn't so bad because there was right. no humidity, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not so bad in the shade. It's true. Of course, yeah, the car was boiling of... over, but uh, you know the, the humidity wasn't so bad. <laughs> yeah. I was out at the swimming pool yesterday, and, and as long as I was in the shade, I felt really good. But in the sun, the, the heat was, you know, because it's at high altitude, the heat is like radiantly hot. And mm. it seems like much hotter later, I mean, in the later years than it used to be. I don't think that's maybe because lack of the ozone layer. They say it's not as what it used to be. But um, you can really, really feel just fine when you're in the shade. It feels great. Oh, yeah. Yep. It, it, that's where I first appreciated the idea of it being cooler in the shade because you could literally be out in a hundred plus day in the dry heat and go into the shade and it felt like it was eighty. It was strange, <laughs> very strange. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really nice. Yep. So you had and a great weekend in the humidity. Um, yeah, I did. I um, was just hanging out a lot with my friend, and mm-hmm. uh, we we had some good times around the pool and. Nice. Other places went for walks around a couple of lakes, uh, two different lakes. Walked around. They're not really lakes; they're giant reservoirs. Um, mm-hmm. But gosh, it's like so green, and mm-hmm. the trees are just so beautiful. These huge, giant cottonwood trees that are all around here. Oh wow! Man, it was it was really nice. Yeah, beautiful. I can't complain about the weekend. Well, you can complain, but it doesn't do you any good anyway. So you might as well choose the happy route. Yeah, I'd rather just talk about the things that I liked. Absolutely. I mean, there's that little nagging part of me that looks for something that didn't work out right. But it's like, why bother? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, and, and we're so good at it. it. I mean, we really are good at looking for the negative. We, we have years and years of practice, so that's why we practice looking at the positive here on your Daily Dose of Happy on LOA Today. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's an important skill to, to learn and develop, and that's one of the reasons we do our podcast, so that not only you and I and the other co-hosts can do it, but our listeners can be encouraged to do it as well. And when we do, mm-hmm. all kinds of good things happen. Yeah, but Walt, what about karma? I mean, you could want think good things to happen, but what if you have karma from a past life that you just got to live out and it's really a big struggle? What do you do about that karma? 
Well, it's like I, I often tell people, I, I don't really do anything about it. I just ask that make sure that your karma doesn't run over my dogma. dogma. But beyond that, I'm fine. So, But oh, okay. I mean, I know there are people yeah. who get upset about karma and so forth. And and I honestly, I don't think, I, I don't agree with the idea of karma. I just, it doesn't make sense to me, per perfectly honest. I just don't buy into it. The idea that you keep coming back lifetime after lifetime until you get something right that, that's like a punishment kind of approach to living. And life isn't about living punishment. Life mm -hmm. is about living joyously. Mm -hmm. So, so I mean, on the face of it, karma just doesn't make any sense to me. Now, now, maybe there is some value to it. Maybe there is some truth to it. But it, not on that score. Not for me, anyway. I mean, you, you tell me different. What do you think? Well, there's a lot of different definitions that people have of karma. So when you talk to anybody, you know, you don't know what their background is. Um, I once True. had a client who was... Um, he had taken classes in karma from a teacher from India. And so it was a whole workshop on understanding your karma and, and how you deal with it and lifetime after lifetime. And when you get off the wheel of birth and death and you finally leave karma behind and then you don't have to come back to the earth and relive any of this stuff. And um, I was thinking, well, talking to that client is a whole other story than talking to somebody who just has a vague idea Oh, isn't karma that, you know, you have to pay the price for what you did in past lives and you have to work things out. And so there's all kinds of different ideas. And, and I know like the Abraham folks, they say that, that, uh, well, there are truths to the word karma in the sense that, yes, you do have to, uh, I mean, you do live out things that you've created in the sense that, uh, you know, you, you predestine your life, but the way they talk about it is that when, before we come here, um, we're in quite an elevated state. We're in a state of, of source energy itself, you know? So the fact that we, um, we think that we might come here to, um, relive and work out, you know, struggles that we were struggling with in past lives or things we did wrong, et cetera, et cetera, you know, well, the question is by whose, you know, definition, did we do something wrong? Is there somebody judging us? Is there, an, you know, some kind of a external force that is watching us and deciding, did we do something right or do something wrong? And now it's telling us we have to make restitution for it or, you yeah. know, it's just natural that you pay the price or are you carrying forth the things that you set out in a past life? by your own thoughts uh, and now you're paying the price for those, that way of thinking you got a momentum going and you can't stop that momentum. And what they seem to say is no, that you, you are actually only coming to this earth plane to or manifesting here in order to manifest the beauty of your source self, you know, all that good and that there's actually no downside to it. Well, then, then it raises the question, what's the point of having a concept of karma? Right. And apparently the concept of karma is is for people, when humans are outside of the vortex, they're looking for some way to try to explain um, why am I outside the vortex? You know, why am I not in that beautiful experience? And so as long as you're outside the vortex, you know, that place where you do know who you are and you do know the beauty that's in your vortex, then you're trying to explain, you know, how come you're out of it. And so all kinds of explanations are come up, you know, people come up with, but 
there really is only one thing going on, and that is your infinite self is realigning with your infinite self at any given moment. And when you're in that experience, it's incredibly, it's really joyful. It's really, it's really not where the world, it's not where struggle exists. It's not where fear exists. It's not where worry and, you know, the idea of being judged doesn't exist when you're in that place of knowing who you really are. So, so basically people who are, who explain it this way are basically saying that this experience of being in alignment, their word for that is karma. Is that what, is that what they're saying? No. Um, I think what they're saying is the experience of being out of alignment <laughs> is there. I mean, in, that, is, okay. is so there that's karma. the karma part. I see. Yeah. It's like, cause they can't explain. Well, then I have, I have another question for them. Mm-hmm. If, if karma is the being out of alignment part, why would you want to focus on it for any great length of time? Because that's what people who talk about karma do. They focus on it. They're, they're thinking about it. They're creating ideas about it. They're thinking mm-hmm. and inventing, mm-hmm. you know, what does all this mean and so forth? And mm-hmm. yet what they're doing is they're continuing to reinforce the thing that they don't want. I don't understand why. Yeah. I mean, I guess because it, it, they, they feel like they need an explanation and rather than finding a way just to get back into the vortex, they might not know, they might not remember that that's who they really are. That's, that's the only way I can look at it. You know, it's like, why would I, why would I continue? Why does somebody just. So karma is where you don't remember who you are. That's an interesting definition. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's, there's ways that you can look at it in a positive way in the sense that there's, there's the karma of simply you, before you came into this life, you, you, you set out a course for yourself that, you know, would be the way that you that you want to connect with this beautiful alignment with who you are as an infinite being, as an eternal being, and you set out a course and you're following that course, that's, that's a predestination. Um, and that I know Abraham says that's definitely what you did before you came here. But the downside of it is where is the stuff that comes from being out of alignment when we're out of the vortex, that's when we come up with this, this whole idea that there's this massive downside to everything. And then we reinforce that and we stay out of the vortex. Um, and, but it's a, it's, I don't know why we would do that. Right. That's what you're <laughs> that asking. It doesn't make what? any sense to me. What's the point of making that a concept that you want to build on? I don't follow it. And, and, mm-hmm. and maybe there isn't one or, or maybe actually, you know what I think it is. I think what we're seeing here with this concept about karma, and I think you're laying out where a lot of people are with it today. I think what we're seeing is taking an old concept that really didn't work because it was focused on, and I'm going to be a little bit harsh here, it it was focused on a punitive approach to living. Recognizing that the punitive approach really doesn't make a lot of sense, but they wanted to keep the karma uh, concept because it's been around so long, so now they're going to turn it into a law of attraction concept. That's what Hmm. I see. To me, it's it's taking something that didn't work and trying to make it into something that didn't that does work, but it, doing so by basically supplanting something else that actually explains it better, and, and that's why I don't like the word karma. I don't, I really don't think karma is a useful concept for us because it has so much baggage attached to it. It's kind of like you know the difference between appreciation and gratitude. Abraham makes the point that both are positives, but appreciation is a slightly higher vibration because it doesn't have some of the negative stuff that can get associated with gratitude. You will be thankful for this and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Well, I think the same thing is true with karma and law of attraction theory. I mean, karma is just kind of, they're trying to turn it into law of attraction theory, but it still brings the baggage of old with it. Why would we want to bring the baggage? I don't see a point to that that's useful to us. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. that's well, what I'm kind I, of down I think, on. I think you're right when you said that there's a, it's the punitive part that's been attached to it. You know, that there, I think it largely came, and I don't know this for a fact, but that because I'm sure if we talked to somebody who had done a whole workshop on karma, they could give us a whole bunch of other opinions. Oh, but I'm sure. I really feel like it that at some point there, there is some idea of some punitive um, or somebody who's observing, some force that's observing and evaluating and from a critical judgmental place. Yes. You know, that there's that we're supposed to somehow live up to some standard that's that someone is is somehow arbitrating you know mm -hmm. and that's just not doesn't seem to be what's really happening it also doesn't um, resonate very nicely i mean no the, just the idea of trying to understand that or even you know understand it long enough to put it aside makes you wonder why should we even understand it in the first place why do we need to be in that space where where's the value in it i mean it, let's say yeah. let's take the point of view that you described which is that there is an outside higher power that's evaluating us well okay let, let's assume for the sake of discussion that god evaluates us okay mm -hmm. well first of all why that's the first thought that always came to my mind whenever i heard that that concept why does god want to evaluate us why is that important i mean According to the more traditional theories, God created us, okay, which is mm -hmm. uh, somewhat kind of similar to what we now understand about source energy, although it's, it's different too. But let's, let's take that metaphor to uh, its full development, which is, okay, God created us, so why does God want to evaluate us? I mean, God created us. I mean, it, it's kind of like saying, well, I'm going to paint a painting, and uh, okay, I've painted a painting – but you know what? I'm going to evaluate it. I'm, I'm going to be very critical of my own painting. Why would you do that? Mm -hmm. you know, I, I can understand wanting to get better at the next painting, but in theory, God is already perfect. That's the, what, that's the presentation we have. God's already perfect. He's not in development of becoming perfect. So why would God need to evaluate the painting? Why, why would God need to say critically, oh, well, I didn't get this part right? It doesn't make any sense mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so why would we do it to ourselves? I mean, yeah. some oh, people yeah. could say that we're we're just carrying forth this um, from lifetime to lifetime, this heavy duty uh, trip we're laying on ourselves, Pretty you know, much. like, yeah. like <laughs> you better get this right. You know, well, you know, if, if you can do no wrong, I mean, that's one way that Abraham explains it, you know, that, you know, you can't get it wrong and you'll never get it done. And uh, it's all a great big, ultimately a great big joy fest. Uh, you know that you're you're a magnificent being. You're a creator, and and uh, you come forth into the spirit, physical experience because it's a joyful adventure, and you want to feel expansion. You want to be aligned with who you really are. Mm -hmm. So where's this person that's uh, critical and judgmental and harsh about the job that you're doing here? You know, and I feel like that's heavily yeah just been bred into our culture, of course, mm -hmm. to us as we were growing up, and now we're. Now we're letting go of that and and this whole new idea that there is no downside to this whole earth experience, that's like pretty radical. It's right? very radical. Right? Yes. It's really radical. And you could tell that to I bet you could get a room full of twenty people right now just off the street and I wouldn't think that too many of them would agree with that. 
you know that would be an affront to most everybody's thinking that what do you mean there's no downside you know what about babies that are born and they have leukemia or you know they have some horrible disease and they die after a month you know or you know the what about the people in these places that are getting bombed or tortured or otherwise persecuted and uh and so then you know people try to explain things that those people have karma you know that they're working out and i guess that's why they're there and i guess that's why the baby's born with that but i think you're right in fact i think you've touched upon the key concept for those who really do want to understand how all this stuff is coming about and why it continues to persist in our culture and so forth the key concept is the concept of victimhood. We mm. are inundated by this concept. It flows through all of our literature. It flows through all of our uh, prose, um, our politics, our economics. Victimhood is a major, major force in our society. And, it, yes. and, and force is probably the wrong word, but it's the closest one I can think of. The simple fact is every time that you look at somebody who really espouses the traditional God story, you find one of two um, psychologies involved. One psychology is, is the pure victimhood psychology. They're, that's the person who's receiving the story and, and being controlled by it. The second one is the controller, the person who's doing the controlling, and usually somebody who's got you know, some desire for power or money or influence or something like that. And so they are taking advantage. They're deliberately leveraging the victimhood tendency to their own advantage. And mm -hmm. if, if it's somebody who's a religious leader, they'll justify all the different ways that they're doing it for the benefit of mankind. And they've got right. you know, loads of arguments to defend that. But essentially, that's what they're doing. They're yeah. leveraging victimhood in order to gain advantage. Yeah. And, you know, are they free to do that? Sure, they're free to do that. Do I like them? Not particularly. No, I think they're rather abysmal myself, but <laughs> I know that's what they do. So, okay, well, you go your way, I'll go mine, and we'll make those 180 degrees opposite from each other. That's the way I feel about them. Uh -huh. uh, and then you also have the people who do it not just for religious reasons, but they do it for political reasons. You know, or mm -hmm. people who do it in, in corporate culture. They, they do it in order to gain uh, ascendancy in the corporate structure. They want to get to a higher place, so they'll take advantage of victimhood uh, psychology in order to get to a higher structure. Or you, uh -huh. or you find it in, in families. You find you know, family members who will take advantage of the ability to manipulate people in their victimhood psychology in order to get some sort of advantage over a family member or, or a friend mm -hmm. or, or an associate or something like that. I mean, uh -huh. it's just, it, it is so endemic. It's everywhere. And uh, for years, I usually tried to find a way to fix that. I tried to find a way to eliminate that tendency. It wasn't mm -hmm. until Law of Attraction through Abraham's teaching came along to me that I finally realized that none of that approach is going to work. The only mm -hmm. approach that can possibly work is for each individual person to decide for themselves whether they want to continue to be victims. Because we all have the power to choose whichever way we're going to go. We get it's up to us. We get to decide whether we're going to continue to behave like victims or are we going to choose to take, you know, control of our own lives, take responsibility for what happens in our own lives. And by responsibility, I don't mean blame. I just mean, you know, I, yep, I, I thought it, I did it. It was me. I'm moving yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that's why I, you know, I chose the topic of this show today because I've talked to several people in the last week who had a, a very strong belief in karma. Hmm. And, um, and so they, you know, they explain 
things that are happening that are going on and on and on as miserable situations as as being you know well you're working these people are working out lifetimes worth of um you know karma and so they it's not it's not easy you know they might have to go more lifetimes till they get it right you know and uh and then they can finally be happy or something like that you know and it's like wow that's that's a pretty painful way to conceive of the whole thing but it makes people feel better i guess when they're out of the vortex because it feels like well at least it's an explanation as to why this would stay so intractable when because it, nobody would wa- you know want to stay in a miserable place you know that you, how could you imagine anybody would you know so people who are in a miserable place who who have family members that are in a miserable place and just can't seem to get it right in terms of happiness um, then they want to explain it somehow, and uh, it's like, well, I just, I just can't do anything about their. That's their karma that they're working out, um, and in a sense, it, use the word in a such a way as well. If you want to use it in the sense that someone's making choices, and those choices keep putting them in a miserable place, then yeah, they are making that choice, but they're making those choices now. They're making those choices moment by moment, right. and it. You know, it's not necessarily that they're carrying some huge debt that it's going to take them a lot more lifetimes to ever pay off to some kind of, to who, you know, I mean, to their own self because they just uh, are so confused. Um, But sometimes people appear that confused. I agree, you know, um, almost to the point of mental illness, you could say. And so, yeah. you, you know, you say, well, so what, what's that about? Why are they doing that? Why would they create that situation for themselves? Surely there's some other force at work here, forces at work. Well, one, one concept I think that really helps here is the concept of momentum. Wendy Dillard has been making the point recently that momentum and the law of attraction are basically the same thing. That mm-hmm. when, when you're attracting something, it builds up a momentum. And the more that you think about it, the more momentum it builds and so on and so forth. Well, let's assume for the sake of discussion that one has a huge negative momentum of some kind, which is usually called a karmic debt, that uh, they're carrying. The karmic theory says you have to kind of work on it, work on it, work on it, chip away at it over lifetime, and maybe over lifetimes before you're finally able to pay the thing off, so to speak. Hmm. Law of attraction theory is actually much more powerful in terms of what it teaches us we can accomplish with it. Because law of attraction theory teaches us we can reverse a negative momentum right now, no matter how big it is. It doesn't matter how big it is. It could, it could seem gigantic. It could seem so large that it dwarfs everything else, but it can mm-hmm. still be reversed. And in fact, mm-hmm. people reverse you know, negative momentums every single day. We don't see it. you know. Uh, but mm-hmm. for instance, uh, Joel tells stories all the time about Clients who come to him that are referred to him that have been through every other therapist. Nobody's able to help him. He sits them down, and after one session, he's completely changed their mind about something. And now all of a sudden, yeah. their whole pattern changes. You know, right. there, there's somebody who's got a huge negative momentum. That's somebody who, and in most cases, they've been through like horrible abuse or terrible addiction. I mean, really, really bad situations, being mm-hmm. homeless, being financially destitute, you know, being, uh, you know, unable to, to stop gambling or to stop drinking or to stop whatever it is. I mean, just in really, really bad places. And they're able to turn their lives around. Do they do it instantly? No, but they don't have to wait five lifetimes. They get it done in a year or less, or maybe they, maybe even two years or less. Yeah. So clearly and negative yet, momentum of a huge order can be reversed. And that's yes. the cool thing. That's the good news. 
Yes, and and a lot of it happens, I think, because we come into new ways of conceiving of the whole paradigm of what this life's about. Exactly. I mean, to me, that makes a huge difference with my clients when, you know, I feel like every time I undertake working with a client, part, a huge amount of what we're doing together is, as I've mentioned before, is shifting an entire paradigm way of thinking about about life. And once you start saying, so you think that I was actually source energy before I came here and that when I leave, I go back to source energy and everything is renewed and I actually don't carry anything of my suffering forward. I don't have, I'm not, I don't carry that thought pattern into my next life of, of my own confusion and my own doubt, my own worry and my own struggle. And Abraham seems to be saying, no, you don't. You, mm, right. you, you, you know, instantly when you pass into that other realm at what the experience we call death, that you're, you're renewed, you're set free. And then, you know, all the games you were playing with yourself here and you know what, you know, how to be in alignment because you're suddenly back in alignment. And then, and then the reason, you know, you decide to come forth again is because it's a joyous adventure, not because it's a veil of tears that you're going to come and, you know, suffer, weep and gnash, gnash your teeth. It's like, um, I, I I do really hate that idea that life is life is this giant travesty that you just carry forward for forever. You know, like and when do you ever and get I it had right? that idea? I mean, I've carried that idea for yeah. for many many years. Yeah, it, it, it's taken a long time to shake it off. But the good news is, you can shake it off. You can actually say, you know what? There's actually truth to this idea. We came here to be joyous. Yes, and I I've talked to people who say that you know they suffered a lot say they were abused as a child, you mm-hmm. know, um, maybe sexually abused. And then sure. the trauma that was locked in was so, so profound that they've been spending 30, 40 years trying to, um, you know, work their way through that. And, and they yeah. still have these reactions that come from the fact that this happened when they were a little tiny kid, you know, and, uh, and I can certainly understand that kind of trauma. And yet, Ultimately, I guess those folks are in the same position as anyone else is you still have to allow yourself to relax about the whole thing at some point. You know, that's to be able to get back in alignment with who you really are. There well, has to be, you're trying to desensitize. You're trying to desensitize yourself to whatever that thing was that happened, whether, you know, sexual abuse or whatever it might be, so mm-hmm. that it's no longer haunting you, so that uh, it, it doesn't seem like every time you try to focus on something, it overwhelms you, and now you can't focus on what you want to focus on. That's what you're trying to mm-hmm. do. You're trying to desensitize that. And there are lots of ways to do that. I mean, therapy, that's what therapy does. Um, a lot of the, the uh, modalities that Abraham teaches are for that, p- you know, pivoting, bridging, you know, the various uh, processes they offer in, in their Asking It Is Giving book. I mean, they have a lot of things that they put out uh, toward that end. Uh, people do hip, hypnotherapy. That often can be helpful. Um, I mean, there are a whole bunch of them. What's that? Meditation. Meditation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's another good one. I mean, there, there's a lot of ways you can go about doing it. The key thing is to understand you're trying to desensitize it so that you, it no longer you know, overwhelms you. That's all, the, that's all you're trying to do. You're trying to take away the sting of it, the, the sharp charge that's associated with it. Mm-hmm. And once you understand that, then the next question is, well, how do I do that? And believe it or not, this is where LOA teaching comes in really handy. You want to allow the other thinking. And what is the other thinking? Well, there's where your, your real question is. Because yeah. all this time, you've been focusing on this terrible thing that happened to you in childhood. And so you keep getting more more thoughts about this terrible thing that happened in childhood. So you're really just trying to change your mind. 
essentially. Yes, I think I think we don't understand sometimes this is a thought I have about it, that how strong it is to keep a momentum going that we are putting a blame somewhere else. Yes. For example, on someone who perpetrated that act on us when we were young, say, and the the intense anger and rage we have towards that happened having happened to us and then perhaps the ways that it's been reinforced throughout our life of what a traumatic event that was. <clears throat> I wonder sometimes if we're not just constantly reinforcing it by the way we think about it. I agree. And well, and, and it we, was a traumatic event. Let's not, no, oh, yeah. it wasn't. It was, oh, clearly yeah. was. But why do we have to make it even more traumatic? Because right. that's and, what we do. And some people feel like law of attraction makes them wrong for being traumatized. You know, like, well, you know, like I talked to somebody recently who was saying that, that he felt like, well, if, if you keep telling me that law of attraction is saying, you know, you're just not telling a better feeling story, um, you know, that, that, they're, that they're somehow just, just stupid. They just don't get the fact that they are shooting themselves in the foot over and over and over again by continually uh, feeling these feelings that they have around this traumatic thing that happened to them. And so, therefore, that they're just, they're even more screwed up, you know, that somebody else telling them that they just don't get they they, they don't get it right and it, it just adds to their trauma and you know i don't know sometimes how to tell people you know that you're not wrong for anything that you think or have thought but 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 at some point you you can just maybe begin to relax about the whole thing and t and start to tell the the story that you want to have going forward you know rather than you know this always backward looking you know sense of how damaged you were how do you begin to tell that better feeling story going forward and and i would say probably the first question to ask oneself particularly if one has a a really severely traumatic event in one's past or a series of events even that have just been wrecking their life i, I think i'd want to start with the question are you willing to at least try to find a way to let go of that right because if you're not willing to try to let go of it then nobody can help you because you're the one who's insisting on continuing to hold on to it. You have to at least be willing to try, willing to let go of it in some way, even if you don't know how. You don't have to know how necessarily. All you have to do is just be committed to the idea, yes, I want to let go of that. And and a lot of psychology says that there's a key thing in there also, which is to be comfortable with the feelings of agony or suffering or whatever that you felt around that traumatic thing, to just be compassionate with yourself and sit with that feeling, you know, and allow yourself to feel that feeling and to nurture that little child that was, that did go through that trauma. And that that's an important part before you can begin to tell a new, better feeling story. Sometimes that child just has to be held. You know, it's like mm -hmm. when, when a little kid has had something really traumatic happen, you know, you go, can't tell that little kid, you know, immediately start thinking about your, your dolly and immediately start, you know, although kids are pretty good at making that switch, but sometimes you got to hold the child and the child has to cry and whimper and, and just go back into that, that place that feels so hurtful for a while. And that's, that's a lot what we even have to do as adults. When we, when we have a big traumatic thing in our past, you, you can't immediately tell somebody just, Oh, just tell a better feeling story. But eventually the better feeling story is a big part of the transformation, but it doesn't come overnight. And I, I would even suggest that 
what you what you described there, I would call that cherishing, where the parent cherishes the child and holds mm-hmm. the child and and you know pats the head and all that kind of thing. That's cherishing. Cherishing mm-hmm. is a positive emotion. It, does that yeah. mean that the child is experiencing positive emotion? No, not yet. You know, like you said, first they're wor- they're working their way through it, but through the cherishing, through the positive expression of emotion, the child is essentially being led away from the trauma. They're essentially mm-hmm. being led away from the horrible thing that is overwhelming their mind at this particular moment in time. And, mm-hmm. and that's the value of cherishing. Well, that's also how you're starting to tell your new story. Just the act of cherishing begins to tell the new story. And that new story mm-hmm. starts with beginning to walk away from the trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite a process, really. I mean, it, to, to feel your way to your joy you know, rather than just manipulate your way. I, I mean, I talk with clients a lot about all the different techniques that we might work through in different sessions. You know, you have segment intending, you've got meditation, you've got mm-hmm. telling a better feeling story through scripting, you know, you've got, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice if, and all these different ways you can create a better feeling story and a, and a better path going forward. But a lot of times there is just also the, the just acknowledging the, the the grief that was felt because mm-hmm. of a situation and and being able to realize that things change on a on a feeling level and so all these techniques what you're I was te- ta- telling this to somebody just the other day to a client that all these techniques are not really manipulating ways to get there it's really you allowing yourself to feel better and however that can happen it's when you like like Abraham says, get happy and then see what happens. And I find myself saying that a lot. Is that's what we're really trying to do in a in a session with a client is help a client see how can you get happy, how can you how can you relax? And it this technique might work and that technique might work, but sometimes it's just you know it's a combination of everything, and the, and you realizing that your happiness is somehow in your control. And you can begin to let yourself feel that. And the techniques help, but you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's a, mm-hmm. it's an organic process. I guess I'm saying it's not, it's not just re- doing a bunch of affirmations and writing r- all of a sudden you write a better feeling story and you're read it every day and you're going to get there. You know, it's, it's a shift that's going to occur because you're doing all kinds of things. You know, you're, you're sitting there cooking your dinner, but you're instead of, you know, lamenting something that happened during your day or in your past, you're focusing on cooking the dinner and the color of the, you know, the dish that you're cooking and the the taste that you're creating. You're coming into the present moment and having more fun. You know, just that alone is so different than sitting there and obsessing about something that's bumming you out. I think there's also a good message in here for people who want to help someone else who's struggling, who's, who's dealing with a trauma who's dealing with with something that just keeps haunting them from their past. Law of Attraction teaching, as taught by Abraham, makes it very clear that the the only really good way you can help somebody else is by getting yourself into alignment first, which is Mm -hmm. get into that good feeling place first. Well, I want to point out that I I, I used the word cherishing before, and and you talked about like the parent, um, you know, calming the child who got injured or calming the child who got um, hurt in some way. And that that was a an approach that's important to use when you're dealing with your own personal trauma. 
Uh, you, yeah. It's like you have to, to coddle and, 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 and cuddle and, and soothe that inner child that got hurt so much. Uh, yeah. And spend some time, you know, in that space so that you can calm about it. You can feel better about it. Well, all of us, when we were little kids, you know, if, if something, if, if we fell and, and hurt ourselves, mommy would come and make it all better. Well, what would mommy do? Mommy would hold us. Mommy would stroke us. Mm-hmm. Mommy would take, you know, they'd, they'd stroke our head or, you know, put, put the Band-Aid on or, you know, kiss it to make it better. But mommy would cherish us. And yeah. cherishing, the act of cherishing is extremely powerful. When it comes to helping somebody else get away from a traumatic place, from a really uncomfortable, unhappy place, especially one that they've been living in for the longest period of time. Cherishing is a great way to get there. So, I mean, if you want proof that the best thing you can do for somebody is to hold them in the highest possible place, to maintain that high level of vibration and and basically put out those signals to them, the evidence is in mommy because that's exactly what mommy did and it's what mommies do. Moms help people feel better by just feeling better. It works. It works beautifully. And we all have experience with it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really what, um, what Abraham said. The main job of a coach is, is just to soothe their client is to, Mm -hmm. is to uplift them by a suit, by soothing them. And they said that the key thing you're doing is soothing a person just into a better feeling place. And, um, you know, I mean, i I know two different women in my life who, one of them, their, her mother left, abandoned the whole, all the, all, all the kids when, when she was eight years old. And so, you know, she's definitely doesn't even have that many memories of her mother who was, who was soothing to her. So mm-hmm. yeah, she really needs somebody in her life who can soothe her, you know, definitely and help her see what that experience is even like. Another woman I know whose mother gave her away when she was three years old, gave her to somebody else. Uh, you know, because she was going through too much herself. And so she had to give away her child. Well, imagine how that, you know, what that's like for that person. I think I can't imagine what that's like. So the amount of soothing that some people need is really a lot, you know, and, and it's, it's no wonder that they feel freaked out and feel like they've got to go through so many things in their life in order to find happiness and peace because, they were so traumatized by that event, you know. Um, and, and there are some people who go out of their way to look for mothering. Uh, mm-hmm. p- particularly young males. There are males who do that. And they, they're exhibiting really unhealthy behavior in doing so. But it's really important to understand there's a big difference between what they're dealing with and what a traumatized victim feels. A traumatized victim is somebody who literally experienced something like a sexual abuse or some horrible event like that, and they're trying to come to terms with it. Somebody who has a mommy issue, they have an entirely different kind of issue. Their issue isn't isn't that they were traumatized, although they might set themselves up to be traumatized. Their issue is that they're looking outside of themselves constantly to soothe themselves. No matter but what I don't know that that's any different. Because, well, it, I mean, it's, it's different in it, that it's not based on, on a severe trauma. It's based on an addiction to being soothed. It's not the same but, thing. But, but that may be that there is something that's traumatized. I mean, if we do any kind of thing where we're looking for love in all the wrong places, we're looking outside of ourselves for love, then there could be a traumatic experience somewhere in the past of that of that person. Oh, that there probably they, is, yeah. But, that but, makes them like But, but let's like look that. at the behavior, too. The behavior is clearly not, well, I was traumatized in my past 
passed, so I'm going to continue to look for mommy to solve my problem. That clearly, there's a lot more going on than just that little thing that happened in the past. And I say little because compared to what that person is, is focusing on now, it is little. What they're focusing on now is all the different ways that they can manipulate somebody into mothering them. That has mm. nothing to do or very, very little to do with what happened in the past. It has to do with what they're asking for right now. I need this right now. I need to have somebody take care of me. I need somebody. They're, they're all about that right now. Saying that that's yeah. a, because they got traumatized in the past, I think is really missing the boat. This is somebody Why? who's basically said, I am a victim now. I continue to be a victim. I am a victim every single moment of the day, and I need somebody to look out for me because I'm always a victim. That has not, that, That's not about a past thing. That's about a present thing. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know how much you know people do things because of their uh, of the present or the past. I don't know how to quite divide, you know determine which is which is which you know uh i i just know that whatever whatever a person is doing i feel like at least for myself and for clients it seems like it's one of the key points is massive unconditional forgiveness of whatever is the reason you know and then and then in the present moment yeah, looking That's... for looking for self love you know lo- looking for well yeah. h- how can this person then begin to look to their own self for the nurturing that they're so much projecting onto somebody else. But I, I don't know if we're, if we're on the same page here. I think we are, but <laughs> I think largely we are. I, I really do think there is a strong division between past events and present events. There are a lot of therapists who will try to say, well, one is connected to the other. They're really inseparable. And I guess in one sense, they are inseparable in the sense that, you know, they provide a pattern. You know, here's the pattern of behavior. It started back then, and it continues to this day. And today, the person continues and continues and continues that pattern of behavior. So I guess Mm -hmm. in that sense, they're connected. But, and this is the big but, in... It isn't always true that it, when you desensitize the past, you, you have desensitized the present. Sometimes that does work out that way, but sometimes you can desensitize the past and the present still re, uh, remains sensitized, which means it's not just about the past. I mean, if it were just so about the past, the present would have been cleared up. It's the momentum they continue to perpetuate by taking actions exactly. in the present yeah. that reinforce that way of feeling. But I my my idea and that's in my own life experience, I feel like I let go a lot of past um, past associated behaviors that are showing up as aberrations in the present. You might say, you know, like behaviors that I do now that, you know, well, why would I do it? Why would I treat her that way? Um, and then, you know, if that's not, it's not, it doesn't seem healthy, you know, why, why would I do a dysfunctional pattern now? And I feel like it's largely because, something got anchored a long time ago and now i'm i'm playing it out but in reality once i would be able to hold that child who was traumatized in the past once i'd be able to sit with that child you might say and love it and allow myself to be healed and to feel whole again you know by somehow feeling my way through that experience then I, I don't need to present in the present any longer with that pattern, you know, because it's sort of inside me, it's no longer this feeling of victimhood or this feeling of abuse, this feeling of trauma. Well, that, that's, that's what, what you're describing there means to me that, yes, there was a past event and that past event was what was controlling things. But mm-hmm. you also described how once you sue that past event, your present 
behavior changes. However, yes. and here's my point. However, there are some people you can sue that past event and their present behavior doesn't change. They still continue with the same behavior. Now, a therapist will often go back and say, well, that just means we haven't desensitized the past events so much. I'm not so sure that's true. Uh-huh. I think what's going on is a separate thing. And that's where I think the, the quote, mommy problem, unquote, comes from. It, it, uh-huh. it isn't just, I mean, maybe there was a past event that triggered the whole thing, but it's not the only trigger. There are present triggers. There is an unwillingness to let go of being mommied. And it has nothing to do with the, the unwillingness has nothing really to do with the past event because you can eliminate that past event and the behavior still remains. So clearly it's not the past event. It's something else. Well, that's well, something never, else is what's going I've on. I've never really dealt with that exactly. So I don't really know uh, that that, you know, you sound like you've got experience with seeing that. Happen. Oh, yeah. I've seen it from numerous people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I mean, kind of the reverse of it is the story that Joel tells about the woman who was in therapy for 16 years, who was told that she had been sexually abused and her therapist had been trying to root all that out. And she'd gotten to the point where she really didn't feel like she was making any progress. So once again, Joel became the referral of last resort. She sits down with Joel and Joel's practically his first words out of his mouth were, are you done? <laughs> you know, when are you going to be done with, you know, desensitizing your past? At some point, you got to be done. Yeah. And until you're really willing to say, yeah, I'm done with that, you're not able to move forward. Well, Uh once she she said, yeah, I'm done, then she was able to move forward. So so there's an example of somebody who had been desensitizing too much, so to speak. They they, they had desensitized a long time ago, and they just didn't need to keep doing it. Right. It reminds me of um, what I notice in people who have had psychological trauma and then they feel like kind of like the victim of it or, you know, like, well, why, sh- why shouldn't I feel, you know, like I'm a victim of that, that perpetrator, you know, to some degree. And, you, you know, you can understand, well, yeah, that's, you know, they're wrapped up in the trauma and, and that little child felt incredibly abused and taken advantage of and all these things and hurt, you know, and the sadness around that, the grief around that has to be felt. And let's say the person's done a ton of work on it and it's still, showing up in their life to some degree, that pattern. Um, that's when I notice with some people, they're still telling themselves that story. Right. And so because they're telling themselves the whole story over and over again, it's continually re-traumatizing. Yes. Yeah, exactly. it's keeping it alive. Exactly. And I notice that, yeah, when you tell a story, even about somebody else in your life, and you tell that story over and over again that has that sad twist to it or the hopelessness in the story or the feeling of abuse is there being retold again and again, well, it would make sense that, you know, that is going to stay an open wound. That's going to stay active. So there's two things are going on there. You know, there's, yeah, there's the need to hold that person and that little child and love it and and soothe it and nurture it back to a feeling of ease so that can feel alignment again. But there's also the thing of, you've got to stop telling that story and what is a better feeling story you'd like to have going forward from this moment because you're not here to just linger in at that place you you're it's time to move on and one one thing thing that can happen too is that with somebody who who goes through this process you just described you described it beautifully by the way 
uh, where oh. they they had the trauma <laughs> and they they've gotten to the point now where you know they they've done a lot of work on that, but they're still experiencing the trauma because they keep telling themselves the same story over and over again. Well, another way to look at that situation this is this is only one way. There are many ways it can actually be seen and, and observed in human behavior. A person who had very little experience growing up and throughout their lives of of getting the kind of attention they wanted, of getting the kind of love and cherishing that they wanted, they find one way that it happens. If you know they they get hurt, and so they get somebody is willing to cherish them, and now they get the love, they get their their need filled. Well, now they have a method. Okay, all I have to do is get hurt in some way, and I <laughs> and, and this person, person X, will cherish me. It makes me feel better. So mm -hmm. now I have my my strategy for getting love. Mm -hmm. Okay, now. Originally, that came out of this this seminal event that happened, but what what that kind of of limited approach to getting love really does is it carries into the present and it never leaves the past behind, no matter how much you desensitize it, because it isn't about the past; it's about the fact that they have no better strategy for getting love. Mm -hmm. It's a strategy, yeah, yeah, and a lot of those strategies, like I think. A lot of that I learned was built in through years and years of how I related to my parents. It's mm -hmm. not just one traumatic event. And if you're dealing with parents, as most all of us were, who had, you know, a, a lot of time they spent out of the vortex, a lot of time that they were out of alignment with their higher self and, you know, didn't really realize that life was a very beautiful wonderful unfolding you know you didn't mm -hmm. get that message from them all the time then then yeah i learned ways of relating to these sad people these people that were angry these people that were upset about their lives and and so i was always trying to soothe them and then you know we yeah we bring those forward into our our relationships and we look for somebody that was like our parent that we can play out that a similar you know series of feelings you know a, a way of being with so yeah, the whole thing has to has to be looked at and love that child, and then find a way to to go forward with a whole new story about you know well how would I what would it look like to be healthy? What would it yeah. look like to what's a healthy aligned life look like? And the, I think it's beautiful though that that who we really are as infinite beings does know that and and does it is our default state. It is. And convincing myself of that and convincing others of that is something that happens over time by seeing more and more experiences that confirm the fact that maybe I can let go of this fear of holding on so tightly to my old ways of getting love. Maybe, maybe love is just going to be here for me when I let go. And I think part of it is learning to stretch. I mean, <laughs> stretching is what's involved when you are reaching for something better. Mm -hmm. And and mm -hmm. in order to reach for something better, in order to stretch, you have to first conceive of the idea of what the something better is. Mm -hmm. I mean, we talked often about how people can be so stuck in the negative that if you ask them to express something in the positive, they'll say, oh, sure. And then they'll express it as a negative because that's their best <laughs> yeah. understanding of how to express it as a positive. That's exactly right. Yeah. You know? Well, no, I've seen that happen a lot of times. Yeah, well, you got to learn that. You got to learn to stretch yourself. Say, you know what? I'm going to find a way to turn it into a positive. I mean, I did that with the Abraham uh, cliche that you uh, put out there. You, you can't get it wrong, and you'll never get it done. I said to myself, I don't like that. That's, that's too negative. I want to make it more positive. So I turned it into you always get it right, and the road goes on forever. It felt better to me. Same basic mm -hmm. concept, but it just felt better because it, it was stretching. a more positive mm -hmm. statement. Exactly. I, I got there by stretching. I, I said, I'm not going to settle for that. I'm going to stretch for something better. Where is something better? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I talked with that with myself and with clients. Um, for example, if you're feeling stuck, I mean, a real simple example, if you're feeling stuck in, in your house and you just don't, you just end up laying on the couch for half of the day or, or you can't get out of bed because you feel so hopeless and sad and depressed about, you know, getting the results you want in your life and having the life you want with the kind of friends you want or the kind of career you want or the kind of money you want and the kind of health you want. And so, you know, at what point do you stretch and say, I'm going to go ahead and get online and look for some meetup groups that I might like, and I'm going to go to one of them. Or I'm going to, instead of laying on the couch today for two hours, I'm going to go for a long walk out in nature, you know, and or, or even maybe though, more, more primarily, maybe I'll just get up from the couch. <laughs> I have well, no better place to yeah. go at the, at this point in time, I have no clear idea of what to do, but at least I can get up from the couch. I don't have to sit on the couch. That's a choice mm -hmm. that I've been making and I can change mm -hmm. that choice. And then once I yeah. get up, then I can notice that there's a door or there's a window or there's a room that has an activity or I can start to see the other stuff. So I don't have to be dependent on trying to imagine it. I can actually see it. And then I can take a yeah. couple of steps and look outside the door and, oh, there's all nature out there. Well, I can mm -hmm. go out and take a walk in the nature. See, I don't have to have, think really far ahead. All I got to do is get up. Yeah. That's the go going general idea that Abraham talks about. Yes. It has a lot to do with, you know, what could you do it, it right now today? Is there or what could you conceive of tomorrow you could do? that you could begin to have fun doing what's yes. something fun you just let yourself do it. And, and then those fun things can build on each other once we start giving ourselves permission, but that is a stretching sometimes, you know, because maybe we've never developed the ability to really play and have fun. I know I'm, I'm still working on that one big in my life to give myself permission to do things because there's part of me that feels like I'm always supposed to be on purpose, accomplishing results and, increasing my, you know, my income or getting better at my skills as a life coach or, you know, it, and sometimes that, that idea of, well, I'll just go have fun seems like, well, I don't have time right now to have fun. I, I'm too busy doing these things of developing my, my survival, you know, skills or something. And really the survival and the thriving go hand in hand. And, and the fun is a key ingredient to the whole thing. You know, once just letting myself yesterday go hang out at the swimming pool for two hours was, was wonder. It was huge, you know, because it gave me complete freedom to do something non-responsible, you know, it's irresponsible to go lay in the chair at the swimming pool and just have fun. But that's exactly what I need in my mm. life is times where I'm just doing that. Oh, and yeah. then I, I said, I was, I was going to go home and instead on the way home, I crossed this river and I said, I'm going to go sit down on the banks of that river for, you know, an hour. And mm -hmm. I put my feet in the water and I just hung out with, with all the red-winged blackbirds and the beautiful, beautiful nature. And that responsible part of me, I, you know, I realized that just because I go back to my home and start working on things, it doesn't mean I'm doing the thing that's best for me. I've got to follow my impulses about what's best for me. And it felt like hanging out at the, at the river was much better than driving home and just starting to work, you know? And sometimes you do need the couch. I mean, let's not, mm -hmm. let's not yeah. say the couch plays no valuable role. It does. Louise oh, yesterday, yeah. she, she just needed downtime. She lay, lay down on the couch and took a nap. She, she napped for a good part of the day. She just needed to, she just yeah. needed to be just, you know, 
desensitize, turn everything off and just let it go away and just, just nap for a while. Mm -hmm. The question isn't whether or not you, you can lay down on the couch. The question is, are you willing to get up from the couch? And once she had napped, she was not only willing to get up, she, you could hardly keep her down. She wanted to get up. Like, let's go do something. Let's get going. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference in attitude. The difference in attitude is believing you are in control. You get to decide what's going to happen. You are not tied to that couch. Right. Just like you're not tied to lifetimes of doing things in screwed up exactly. ways and now you're paying the price. You, know, exactly. you always have the choice. Once you're soothed enough from this pain that you feel inside, you know, then then can you get up and go start having a fun life? You know, can you start being in your vortex and letting these wonderful things? You came here as a creator. You came here to play. You came here to have a wonderful life. Can you let yourself have it? That's what it comes down to for me. You know, can I, I, can I just let myself have some fun and, and enjoy and be at peace and be free and not believe that there's always some kind of price I'm paying, you know, for something, you know, or exactly. that things are difficult and I've got to struggle my way through it. And by the way, that's also a choice. People like to argue that it's forced upon us. We're on the wheel of life and death and all that stuff. Baloney, you choose that. You get to mm -hmm. choose it. You can get also get to unchoose it. So how about mm -hmm. leaving that behind? It's not serving mm -hmm. you. It's not like it's made your life better. I mean, it's not like believing in karma improved your situation. Mm -hmm. So why not just leave it behind? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes people think it's so bad here that, that they need to, they want to get off the wheel of birth and death. They want to go into some kind of total liberated state. And I know Abraham said, really? I mean, that's the, what they're trying to say is this is not actually meant to be a place of suffering that You're you right. want to flee from. This is actually meant to be this wonderful journey, you know, and can you let yourself get to that place? Um, it's a whole new way of thinking about lifetimes for me is that maybe, maybe coming into this earth sphere, this 3d reality is actually, as Abraham often said, this is where the leading edge of expansion is taking place. It's a magnificent creative place. Um, it is. It is a magnificent creative place. And I think, the, the key question, if you want to have one key question, then the key question to ask yourself is, do you want to keep traumatizing yourself with the idea of karma? Or do you want to change your life? Because the two are not compatible. It's one or the other. You're the one choosing to believe in karma. You're the one choosing to believe that you're tied to decisions from past lifetimes. And you're the one who can choose to unbelieve that, to believe something different. It's entirely in your power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love the fact that it's very possible that what's true is that when we go to that other side, when we die, that we are completely renewed. I, yeah. I love that idea. I do too. You know, that, that, that the way we actually exist, the greater majority of all of time is we're in a liberated state. We are a liberated infinite being, and we're just remembering it. We The forgetfulness that goes on on this plane is... <laughs> it's huge it's really interesting yeah and there's also the fact that we don't have to wait till we're dead in order to that, experience that right? we, we, we can do actually do it now which is abraham's That's, message you don't have to you don't have to go through the death experience in order to be free you can be free now yeah and and i think to the degree to which we can embrace that one boy we can really this life could really take the lid off it absolutely well, this has been great, Tom. Unfortunately, we're, as usual, out of time, as what happens when we enjoy doing this so much. But I look forward to talking to you again on Friday.
Yeah, me too. Thanks a lot, Walt. Yeah, thank you. And we'll invite you all back next time as well here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.